1: Welcome to the Diversity Remix, Busting the Echo Chambers of Culture, Politics, and Business. I'm Charlie Echeverry. And I'm Jesus Chavez. Hey TDR fam, Jesus is back in the studio this week,
0: and there's plenty to catch up on. The guys tackle the NFL's new mandate to ensure minority coaches are hired. Then, they cover the very visible social media crusade by Representative Ocasio-Cortez against Justice Clarence Thomas. And finally, they weigh in on Apple's newest headache as the company's rank and file rebel against new post-COVID office policies. No
1: stones are left unturned this week on a new episode of TDR. Welcome back.
0: Thank you. It's been a while, Road Warrior. I was uh, you remember the show right I was feeling left out, I gotta be honest. <laughs> you remember the show of, like, which, today, of
1: which you are a co-host? Oh, like, is you're this
0: supposed thing to participate? Where, you, where you get fired, like, when you're on vacation. I wasn't on vacation, but you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you show up and, no, like, no, man, we,
1: what, uh, what happened? We moved on flawlessly without you. Was like I was weren't I think, even here. I think it was even better. I think it was even better. Is it is it weird to hear, like, a co-host when you're, like, I've... You know, one of the things,
0: um, and I was talking to um, uh, Vanessa about this, uh, one of the things that I think is it does do is it lets you actually have a much more... Um, non-biased listening experience, right? Because I think like all of us, you know, when you hear yourself... You like to hear yourself talk. You hear yourself talk. And when you hear it, like, it's like more interesting than what it probably is to most people. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like, that's probably the case, right? And But when you're listening to someone else have a conversation, you can be way more critical about whether or not
1: the discussion... It, it
0: actually works. Is it going long? You know, are like good points being made? You know, or is it like too inside baseball in some cases? So I did find myself doing that. Doing that, and mm. actually, one thing I've been asking some folks is to give a listen and give me thoughts of whether or not they think other versions are better, mm. right? Because even each show, so we had Wally as a guest host, and then Stephen Chuck as a guest host, and those two episodes weren't exactly the same. So I'm like, let's listen to those people that listen to them more. Listen to those two. This is the ones that like I'm normally on, and then tell me like. What do you like? What do you dislike more from each one of those?
1: By the way, the easiest thing to, for me to have is is you know co-hosts who have no, pro- or in this case, co- guests slash co-hosts who have no problem talking and stream of consciousness. Especially the conversation with Wally was like just turn him on and watch him go. Right. I mean, and that's was,
0: a, but that's a little little bit of a different show, right? Because it is. that part like went on for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I definitely caught that. I'm like after a while, and this is a little bit how I consume media, where I have a hard time paying attention for an extended period of time. So I like. Go and come back, and I found myself going and coming back a lot of times. And meanwhile, that, that
1: episode actually did really
0: well. Yeah, so that so that it could be me personally. Mm-hmm. So you know I want to use the data point of one, but that's I think that's the part that she is, is interesting. I, I did say one of the not frustrating, but I could definitely find myself like, oh, I wish I was in there because I would've, jumped in. I would have jumped. I tried in on, to channel was,
1: you on a couple of things. Though. I even said yeah, like, if you I were if it. you were here, you would have probably said you, this. You made actually one of them stumped. Wally. <laughs> brought up like it's not even my point. <laughs> I'm stumping you with not even my point. That's a good one.
0: Well, there you go. Yeah, I did I did notice that. I did notice that. So I appreciate the the, the shout out uh on that. But yeah, that was kind of the part that like, oh man, I, I I would have wished to uh you know, be able to make a couple points here while Yeah, to jump in. To jump in. So uh but yeah,
1: you, that was cool. Did you catch um uh Obama and Biden together in that uh I, I guess I, that internal video?
0: Uh, I haven't watched the video. I definitely saw the news. I heard about the news. Uh, I just didn't see anything about him doing it. right? So there was a piece this morning that they were talking about. Maybe It may have been New York Times but it was talking about like channeling back the old Obama Romney days. And they actually were both kind of getting credit. Right. Obama coming in and kind of rallying the troops. And then Romney being the one that's kind of negotiating the, the, um, the covid package, I think, that they're working on. And then a little bit later, later it came on, and like, oh no, Congress has got to shut it down. it, it, it still didn't pass again. <laughs> so. Yeah,
1: I just wonder strategically, like what your thoughts are. Is that a lift for the incumbent to have a very popular ex president come that's part of your party, or is it a risk that he just overshadows you? Because I looked, I try to look at it objectively and just mm-hmm. from a presentation standpoint, the whole nostalgia of the presidency of Obama the kind of brave new world sort of thing, yeah. the first, all of that brought up a lot of nostalgia, you know, for me, even though I, you know, from a policy standpoint, mm-hmm. I don't tend to agree with him. Although confession, I actually did vote for Obama the first time. Mm. Um, but you have that, which is true. But yeah. then at the same time, at least for me, the the contrast between these two guys, especially at the end, which is, it's worth watching. Literally at the end, when they're all done, the group of people in the audience, like, zoop, Like, beeline to Obama. And there's a moment where Biden looks like literally like a little kid wandering. He's lost. Nobody's near him. Nobody wants to talk to him. He's vice president again. And it's like such a bad look. I don't know. That's what I thought.
0: There is some of that. But you could also say, look, in many ways, I I can't put Obama in the same category, but maybe he's getting to that category where Obama is to Democrats to what Reagan was to Republicans. Yeah, or people like it's Luke, up
1: there for sure, more than Clinton, he, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure, more than Clinton. Yeah, because Clinton had his because Clinton, from in terms of his presidency, what was done, I think he probably has a better run and record. But, but yeah, because of all of the personal, yeah, because of all personal issues, it's just hard to put him in that same kind of mantle, right? But I think there's some of that, so I can see the benefit of that of bringing him, to, especially to rally the once again rally the troops, right? Because it's not just about Biden in this case. Like we all kind of agree, he may not even be running the next one. It's about everyone else. And I think Obama still has this aura about him, and he was a little bit beat up at the end of his second term, and I think his time off has been good to him, and he's come back like stronger. So he's all happy. He's relaxed. He's, he's relaxed, happy. and and got the you know. Pilates going. So yeah, and and it's all. It's all in contrast, right? Because now when you look at oh, – for especially for Democrats, when they see – when they think about Obama versus the Trump years, it's like he looks even better now, even what he was when he was doing – he had his own issues when he was going. So I think it's some of that. But I, it's hard to – at the end of the day, look, Biden is who he is. He's an old dude. And it's hard to – like you could only you – know, you could, you could put a, something, yeah, so many he's, coats he's of a, paint on that. It just is what it is. He's an
1: old guy in a very, very high-pressure, stressful job that makes sure. young people seem old or can – so it just makes him, For
0: sure. him and seem even older. And that's just,
1: you know, people are like, you know, harp on that a lot with him, which,
0: which I, I get. I don't disagree with the fact that he's old, but I don't know if I have a different take on how he's doing from his president because of his age or decisions that they've taken. Yeah and positions that they've taken in general for the party, those feel like more mistakes. I don't think those are necessarily age-related.
1: Yeah, I try to be more nuanced about my view. I hate ageism, and it's something that, frankly, like I think I've experienced even on some level in the, in the industry that we work. It's really easy to get old really fast, right. right? Like when I hit 40, I felt like, wait a minute, I'm sort of out of step already with right. with, with, with these folks. So I'm not about the ageism, but for me, it's about competence and Look, a lot of folks, as they get older, they lose a major step. Some people don't lose a step at all. Mm-hmm. But he's a guy who you you do the you compare the tape, and it's a different deal. It's just a very different deal. And some of that, does it matter, the gaffes and all of that? I don't know, because I think people can go back and they understand context and all of that. But there is a big difference, right? But, but
0: do you think he, like, when I hear that, I think of George Bush uh, Jr., and how little credit he got in all the gaffes. And it dude was young. It George wasn't W. Like, you George know. W., right? Like, he was young. It's nothing to do with yeah, age. And the dude was like— <laughs> he, was. He, he was. He was kind of like— uh, You know, in this day and age, he would have controlled trolled so much because he of all have. the gaffes. Because of most of his gaffes were mostly covered by news and broadcasts, not in social. There was no
1: commentary around it. I mean, it definitely got a lot of so, news. You see what I'm saying? Of and, course. And the whole
0: thing, of like, oh, it's Cheney who was actually running everything. And that guy wasn't. And the guy, guy like, you know, elected twice. You yeah. know, so it's like, that's why to me, like, there's okay. A,
1: there's a great uh, bit. What's the, um, the very famous, um in, not, what's it called? Impersonator. Uh, Frank Caliendo. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You ever sure, seen sure, him sure. do George W. Bush? Uh, yeah, he's and great, he, yeah. And he captures perfectly what it was, which was this kind of, like, un- like lack of confidence, a little bit of an unsuredness about what he was about to say. Right. He was like kind of like, you know, go up to the microphone and he had to really think and process what he was about to say. And then he'd throw it out and kind of look for the reaction. Did I get that right? Right. There was definitely that, <laughs> uh, which is perfect. I mean, he had his quirks and, and mannerisms, but just in terms of his delivery, I think George W. Bush was like practically a Rhodes Scholar compared to Biden in terms of just outright delivery, mm-hmm. at least him now, comparing right. him now to him then. The other thing that I noticed Kind of final thought on this Mm -hmm. Uh, in that ceremony or whatever it was, which was like an internal thing for the White House staff or whatever. uh, Biden addressed uh, Obama as Barack, not as Mr. President. And I thought that this was interesting because presidents, ex-presidents are still addressed Mr. President. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what other presidents have done in front of other presidents. But if it were me, if it were me, I would have still called him Mr. President. I think it makes you seem smaller If you address the ex-president by his first name, almost like I'm the president now. Well, everybody knows that. Like, it was just—it was really weird. You called him It's interesting.
0: I wonder how much the fact that they're—at least from what I always saw and what I think was reported, is that these guys seem to be actual friends. Yeah. And it was like some—there's that so much—there's such a comfort level that— even like, like, sort of, uh, I'm sure like he doesn't official, call him
1: Mr. President when they're see, playing see golf.
0: See what I'm saying? Like, maybe, but, maybe that plays a little bit of a role. I don't know. And also the fact that it is Biden, he makes gaps. Would you, what all would you have done? Time. What would you have done? A president. Mr. President. Mr. Right? Mr. President. Of yeah. Course. Even
1: if you're the president. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's what I would have done too.
0: Yeah. 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 You should. You, you, frankly, you should do that with, you know, as you know, much as I give crap to like ex-president Trump, like, it's still the right thing to do, especially coming yeah. from the president, yeah. especially in an official. Event like capacity, official yeah, capacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I think that's what you like, A combination of it's still Biden. So the fact, if that's the only gaffe, fucking great. <laughs> it's a great you, week. Know, you
1: came out like a champ. What was the other one that he did? See but, what I'm saying? Like, he yeah, yeah, has so much stuff like that, that happened. I actually in think in
0: that one, it may be some of the fact that these guys actually have what always felt like a very close relationship. Mm-hmm. It would be some of that of just, you know, almost too casual. Yeah. And almost forgetting the fact that, hey, we got to be more formal when we're in front of the, the people. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is interesting, uh, and I, I, do, I do find it curious as time goes on, will Obama's um, star continue to rise and, and get to that level of, of the Reagans or the Reagan in this case uh, kind of play, you know, playing that kind of role?
1: Yeah, I'd put him in that category. I mean certainly among the living presidents, not that many. Yeah. I mean it's, it's not Clinton. It's definitely him. Yeah, it's not Clinton. It could have been. He's so got that. It could have been. It's yeah. Not Clinton, yeah, he's got that aura. So, I have a confession to make. I'm completely unprepared for this show. Excellent. Which is perfect. It's great. Normally, I'm semi-unprepared. Today, I'm fully unprepared. Uh, fully
0: unprepared. Well, so we're going to get some fresh, real, real reactions. Real reactions. So, It'll so be mostly i got to make me.
1: sure that I uh, actually cover these. It'll be mostly me muttering to myself. Uh,
0: no, these are, these are all fun ones. Um,
1: are they all, are they all, these are all new, right? I mean, these are all these like are, last all week. These are
0: pretty new. Not all a week ago, but you probably, I think the longest, maybe two weeks ago. Maybe, yeah.
1: Um, I know are, these I know are all the, fairly new. Yeah, I know somewhat about the NFL one, but the other ones, I'm just like,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you're gonna
1: you're gonna stump me today. All right,
0: for, let's pre, be pre warned. So, shall we? Uh, shall we play? Let's do it. All right, uh, courage or cringe? NFL says all teams must add minority offensive coach. Expanding the Rooney Rule to include women, so uh, that's. When, when was
1: the Rooney Rule put in? Wasn't that that's like a
0: great question? I know. Uh, I don't know. It's been a little while now, though. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's like more than ten years, twenty. Years, maybe the more. I, would I think, think it's probably in a twenty-year kind of frame. I would think.
1: But it was like two thousands, right? I mean, this isn't like an an ancient rule. This no, is a relatively no, new no, no, no.
0: rule. Yeah, right. Right. So this is all part of, uh, yeah, so to get into the story, so this is all part of the NFL diversity efforts, right? So the, least, the league recently announced that a new expansion to the Rooney Rule is going to take place, requiring that all 32 teams hire a minority offensive assistant coach for the 2022 season. So what are the specifics? So the coach can be either a female or a member of an ethnic or racial minority. They will be paid, actually, from a league-wide fund. So this is the case, I guess, they're saying you have to hire a person and the, the league is going to actually fund it. I'm guessing this is a case of the hey, no excuses. Like, don't tell me that you're out of salary or whatever. Or like, right. hire them, right? But, uh, but
1: does that mean or suggest that then this is a role that may not have the same uh, scope as a typical coordinator?
0: Uh, well, look, I'll give you the rest yeah. of the details. So, the coach must work closely with the head coach and the offensive staff, and overall, the goal is there to increase minority participation in the pool of offensive coaches, that eventually produces more head coaches, right? Mm. Uh, it doesn't seem to be like of of diminished stamp, capacity. Cap- capacity, especially they're saying that it ha- has to work directly. But even – I mean, I, I, actually, that's the thing. once that I didn't let you look up is how many assistant coaches does a, does a team currently carry? Yeah, guessing there's a, a lot of. There's
1: an assistant coach like the coordinator, right? So they've got offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special well, teams.
0: Yeah, but then within those they have they their have own linebacker coach they have their and own all those kind of things. Yeah, additional yeah. staff underneath them, right? So I don't know how wide that net gets of people that are assisting uh the offensive coordinators, right? Mm-hmm. Um now obviously this is where the NFL has, you know, some significantly struggled with uh currently and I actually went and looked at how many diverse coaches they have. So they have currently two black coaches, Lovey mm-hmm. Smith and Mike Tomlin, right? Lovey Smith is the newest one that got hired uh by the Houston, Houston, yeah. By Houston. One Latino, Ron Rivera, one multiracial, which is also a new hire with Mike McDaniels out of Miami. Uh, and then Robert Sally Sally, I think is the last name, but just Salah. Sala yeah. is the Lebanese descent. Yeah, right? former
1: defensive coordinator for uh, the forty nine. Jets, maybe? Yeah, Jets. But he was uh, the he made his bones uh, in San Francisco.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay.
1: Now, another thing that's interesting
0: here, in addition to the offensive assistant coach mandate, the league is also adding women to the league to the language of the Rooney Rule at all levels, right? So we will now read that women and or people of color can satisfy, satisfy the requirement to interview two external minorities for top position, including head coach. So women are not required to be interviewed, but they are now included in the fulfillment process. So basically, when the team is looking for a new head coach... If they interview in that process either someone that is a minority or women, then that you satisfy the rule. Satisfy rule. So, it technically, it could mean that you could you can interview two women and then have no other minority. I think that more no minority coaches be interviewed and you still satisfy the rule. I guess that's a possibility, but I think the reality is probably you have enough people, enough women in the pipeline to even get to that number. Mm-hmm. I would think, right? Or it just becomes like very obvious if you're doing that, right? Now this is the first diversity hiring mandate for the NFL. I thought that was actually really interesting, right? Because before that, and it was that, something
1: that apparently was agreed by the team owners too, right? I mean, nobody had a well, it Has it. to
0: be agreed with the team owners. This is, yeah, when the NFL puts it out, is the team owners are basically putting it out. Remember, this is all, you know, the commissioner works for the team owners, so they're they're the ones that are dictating right. what what happens. It's right? a nice paycheck he gets
1: too yeah. for working for the team owners.
0: So this is once again a mandate for hiring that is more than just simply including minorities in the, in interview the process. process. You right?
1: have to end up. This is an uh, you, you, the, the conclusion. Must right. include.
0: Also, the change does not require minor, minority participation in ownership groups, right? So it doesn't, which is one of the reasons that people at the end of the day point to as to as to one of the main problems as to why there isn't more diverse uh, uh, head coaches. It's that they, that because then in, in the ownership, I think it's only one di- considered diverse owner, and I forget, uh, who is he? What team is it? Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Um,
1: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's uh, what is Persian, he? I believe. Yeah, you know, something those... like that, right? Okay, yeah. so I think
0: he's only one. Um, Shaw, right? Something, yeah, something yeah, 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 Um, Now, overall, minority coaches now make up 39% of the league total, up from 35% in 2021, right? So when you look at all coaches, right, the, the, the thing that I think most people have been focused on has been head coaches, right? And especially the, after Brian Flores got fired last year from, uh, um, or this at the end of this past season from uh, from Miami, the whole thing is you were down to one black coach, right, which is um, with Mike Tomlin, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're seeing at least some increases there in the overall coaching staff, which includes a lot of these other folks, right? There also is a league record twelve women on coaching staffs, so at least you're seeing some some progress there, right? So, Courage or Cringe? NFL getting serious about fixing its coaching diversity problem, or more virtual signaling to appease the masses?
1: If if I if I interview people from these different categories, and so long as I have one assistant i'm covered yeah so this impacts nobody that has one assistant coach correct there's there's many teams that already are in that category that already, it'd that already it'd check that, interest, that box it would be yeah. interesting to know the ones that haven't i mean it's got to be enough of a problem for them to say that yeah
0: yeah or not a not that big of a problem or not which, that big of a deal for it to matter for it to matter or if you're like oh yeah we kind of know that yeah no problem how many teams are there uh oh, three teams no problem yeah
1: I was just trying to think. That's what I see is like,
0: to what degree is this actual just virtual signaling? Because it sounds, in some ways you can say it sounds great. Like, you can look at this a bunch of different ways. A, it sounds great right. of oh, driving diversity. B is like, oh, so you actually are literally discriminating because now you're hiring solely on race. Right, that would be the, the, the argument people are gonna make.
1: Or if somebody couldn't, or somebody is, couldn't apply because they were a particular race, right. that would also or, be. Or it.
0: three, would be like completely virtual signaling, because at the end of the day, it makes no. At the end of the day, like no practical difference. Two, net two new hires right. that are diverse. Right. right. All as teams. All
1: teams will have diverse fan bases. Like okay, right. I think we can hit that bar. I think we can hit that bar. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's why I
0: think it makes it actually an interesting topic for well, that. Well, The
1: reason. virtue signaling part is interesting because I hadn't really thought about that. And there's definitely something built into this one, as far as I'm concerned. Whenever the NFL does anything anymore yeah it's, it's so hard to give
0: them the benefit of the doubt isn't it, it? it
1: well it is anymore and I hate I hate saying that because that wasn't me five years ago um but it's been like the PR machine has definitely been churning quite a bit mm. I'm actually hopeful interestingly today on a side note today is what day Tuesday Wednesday
0: today is Wednesday today's Wednesday
1: today just today I received the official email with the formal launching of the XFL oh nice. and they had a video oh, I seen that yet. yeah it's really cool they have a video with um uh, Dwayne The Rock talking and Danny Garcia, who's the female owner, chairman, chairperson, yeah, chairwoman. is
0: uh, also ex-wife.
1: His ex-wife, chair, chairwoman great, right? of, <laughs> of the XFL. Yeah, working relationship. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but, you know, it's interesting to see with the USFL and XFL launching, what kind of competitive pressure that will place. I think ultimately it will be beneficial for the NFL because I think part of the challenge with the NFL and why it's become, why my perspective over the last five years have changed is that, since they're the only game in town, if you love football, it almost doesn't matter because right. you kind of have you to can keep...
0: disagree as much as you want. It doesn't matter. That's yeah. how
1: I feel. I'm still going to watch the games. Like I still... they're,
0: they're like the Facebook of sports.
1: Yeah. Well, that's a good. Yeah. <laughs> right. Wow. And all that. Like that? It. I don't know how they would feel about that comparison. But, but it it's says true. It's
0: like you can they're complaining a lot about Facebook, but you're still on it.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. I think, you know. It's tricky, so obviously, let me let me, let me, let me yeah. kind of tease it out with you. Maybe yeah, how yeah. do you feel
0: about the fact that it is a mandate? I don't like of it. having to have. Okay, so but let's start with
1: that. I don't like. Well, I don't like in general the mandates because they presuppose that a people aren't listening to you otherwise, and that says. There's a bigger problem, or B, people don't want to do this naturally, which is also a kind of a problem. But right? can you
0: make an argument that that's actually that is the problem? You could, but that then, they're not listening to you and uh, are not trying to solve the problem. Of course,
1: and you because know, they're
0: not trying to solve the assistant problem, let's be honest, they're trying right. to solve the head coaching problem.
1: Of course, you know and this
0: is the way that they're trying to do it. Which you and I actually have talked about this. Part of the challenge that the NFL has is like you got to get more people like on top of the funnel, right? Yeah, uh, to get more, more like more through the system, folks like that. And, and that to, I, to I me is. That that's, it,
1: Right. But I'm saying even if we agree on the premise of the mm-hmm. point being a good one, the, the question is, is this the right solution for that? Right. Because right. you could say, gee, I'm tired of people drinking and driving. So let's go to prohibition again. And like nobody can drink. Right. We'll deal with it really quick. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, that that is a challenge. But I don't like the mandates because they kind of throw everything else out the window and they say well, you, you have no choice now. Private company and all the same yeah, stuff yeah. that we but, always but talk about. let's put that about. aside
0: because uh, that could always be the default answer to everything. Private company, <clears throat> do what you want. Yes, yeah, agree. I don't,
1: Yeah, I, I tend to not like mandates. I tend to think that they, they, they're they a sign of an unhealthy culture, an unhealthy environment, like yeah. one where people don't – they can't reach agreements without some kind of a more heavy-handed thing. Yeah. And it also kind of satisfies, placates a lot of stakeholders. Like, yeah. look, we're doing this mandate. And so it's like in a way sort of an easy out, particularly if it doesn't really make a difference because almost everybody already has a minority assistant coach. I mean, if the ranks are 39 percent, you'd have to figure – I mean, that's – you know, it's four out of ten of the coaching staff across the NFL. So I got to imagine it's probably –
0: But there could be – you know, how heavy-handed are those on the assistant side that don't move up? There's like a bunch of ways to – by the way, one thing I did – I forgot to include on here, but I did read – is that apparently Goodell also announced a Diversity Advisory Committee. So mm. this does not sound like the meta. Remember the meta, what do you what call oh, it? Oh, yeah, Mount Olympus. Mount Olympus. Yeah. Um, and part of it is to invite outside experts to evaluate the league's diversity. And it includes six members. Um, one is like Houston, Texans General Manager Rick Smith. It also includes former New Jersey Attorney General Peter Harvey and Pamela Carlton, the founder and president of Springboard. I have no idea what Springboard is. You know what that, what that
1: is? Nope, never heard of it.
0: But it looks like it's looking for external influence. Yeah, I think that's good. So I think, I think, that's, I think good. that's good. I like that one good. better.
1: All right. So I'm not a fan of mandates. I'm okay with the advisory council, even though with all these things, you wonder how much impact they really have. Right. What's another way to tease it out so I can uh, get to my answer?
0: Whether or not you think of it as simply just virtual signaling.
1: <sighs> I, I mean, there's you know, 40% of it automatically off the bat, I think, could be. Could be just virtue yeah. signaling because it's great PR. It's, you know, it for creates sure. buzz and all this other stuff. And it addresses an ongoing issue that is, you know, uh, real and or in certain secton- sectors, they might think it's perceived. But nevertheless, it addresses something. Right. So it's very positive. It's out. It's, it's forward looking, all of those things. So it's hard for me to imagine that if, if nobody was going to find out about this, it was just internal to the NFL. Right? would they have still done it? Like, you know what I'm saying? If this was just like some other company policy that's just in the fine print of my documents, would I have How done about, it? How can about, I, can I throw out an yeah, ad, a, do whatever a random idea?
0: Yeah. What, what if instead of doing this, this mandate or had to hire, say, hey, what we're going to look at is across all levels of coaching, we're looking to over the next, whatever, let's say over the next three years, we're going to increase our percentage of diverse coaches by 20% as an example. And owners agree that for every year that we don't hit that mark, we're going to give hundred million dollars to organizations that are specifically focused in the community to drive diversity. Mm. Now, hopefully, what I what I hope would happen is not only do we hit that number, mm. but the owner is like, hey, yeah, and we're going to continue giving money to so the That's the right thing to do. Now you, you put a little bit of a of a of a little bit of a stick and carrot kind of situation.
1: Yeah, but where there's a beneficiary,
0: where is a beneficiary, and the thing is, the community wins either way. Either way, and hopefully. Not only do they increase the diversity representation, but the community continues to win because people are like, you know what? I, I, I like doing that. I like that a be lot better. That.
1: That's more of a pledge. That's, like yeah, you're- more of
0: a pledge, where you're saying, like, we're going to hold ourselves accountable. that If we don't hit this, this we're going to continue to to give, like, pump more money into the communities, and especially organizations that are specifically looking to pro- provide opportunities, resources, whatever it may be to diverse communities that are underrepresented. So that not only do we have diversity, people that get more opportunities in coaching positions, but in all positions in life. I'm, I'm yeah, making, making it, it up. up. Yeah, making it up.
1: I like that a lot better. I also think that there could be some investment internally in terms of, and we talked about this the last time, what are the things that need to happen so that people inside the NFL system can develop the skills, confidence, whatever, to want to be or become coaches? In other words, mm-hmm. 70% of the players are black, 0% of the coaches are black at one point. So, folks are in the ecosystem because a lot of the coaches are pulled from the ranks of former players. Right. But there's a there's a gap between them becoming into right. these roles, like identifying that and what is it. Have they done? Like, I think I talked to you about this last time. Have, have, has there been a just, just a like? Have we asked folks what is it that you believe is holding you back from being right. a coach? Right. Would you want to be a coach? If not, why? If yes. Mm -hmm. What are the steps you think are required? Like really understand that problem at a a deep level. And then saying, here's the maybe as part of this pledge, the things that we're going to put in the system so that black athletes, maybe the ones more towards retirement, can actually see this as a path or if they if they don't see Mm -hmm. this as a path to move forward. And if they do give them. Whatever the resources, tools, experience, additional mm-hmm. enthusiasm that they're going to need right. to actually make that step, I think that would also be sort of By interesting. The way,
0: one that I missed, and I just realized this because I was actually thinking about it. Is um um, is Todd Bowles? He just became the head coach of the Buccaneers.
1: Oh, that's right. That yeah. happened last week. I was yeah, at The airport yeah, yeah, when yeah, I saw that announcement. Bruce Arians
0: is actually stepping out, and well, he's were,
1: stepping up though. He's actually still... He's still stepping
0: down as coach, but he's going to go yeah, into gonna... like the management or something, right? Yeah. Um, uh, into like the, the front office, right? Which is interesting because one thing about Bruce Arians, people have been saying, at least in hearing other, you know, news sports news media cover, is I like this is a guy that actually kind of has lived up to that mission of actually driving diversity, right? He had like females in his in his coaching staff and his driving diversity. And in this case, whether whether it's actually because the controversy there is how much is it, uh, did the Tom Brady actually have to do with him stepping down as coach. But giving the shot to this guy that is not going to be uh, – Todd Bowles is not going to be the head coach. This well, on some American. level,
1: isn't that part of this, though, on some level, people getting out of the way for somebody else yeah. on some level? It, it,
0: it, yeah, because you still, still only talk about 32 jobs that are head coaching jobs, right? You I mean, can talk still... about all
1: the pledging and Rooney rules as you want, but it's so, like somebody's got to step out of the way. Okay, yeah. I think on balance – right, so we'll... <laughs> All right, I think on balance about it enough. Make I, a call. I think on balance, I'm – a. I think I'm a cringe on balance, Um, mostly due to the fact that I do believe that a a significant portion of this is kind of virtue PR and doesn't have a a lot of real, uh, you know, kind of value power or whatever behind it. Um, And because I think it kind of lets the NFL put things aside for a while to see how this is working or something you know like right, right. we'll talk about it in five years
0: it, it to me it definitely feels a little check the box because when you i would love to see and i, I just didn't have it honestly i guess time to do it to see what does that actually mean by doing that in terms of additional representation of diverse uh, coaches and, and staff and women for that matter right uh, against both of those so it, it because of the way they did it, it, definitely feels more on just a little more signal than anything else. I, I really would love to see a real commitment from the NFL that is actually funded by the owners that doesn't impact the revenue share to the players. I think that's what I was talking about. I, I wasn't clear enough about my point. But when they're saying, no, we're going to personally, as owners, put money aside and and continue to fund this fund that, that invests in diverse, diverse opportunities for every year that we don't do that. But don't take that money out of the players out of the players' pocket. I think I they think should actually be, set aside that, that money
1: anyway. But the money should accelerate if the, in the moments. where Yes, they I'm don't saying. It. So yeah. and,
0: and you will hope that it will, they will say that we're going to do it even if we hit the mark. We will do it anyways. Yeah, I think that's the kind of you know. I'd be cool with that. I mean, yeah,
1: I'm cool that with should that. make you the new GM. Yeah, so there you yeah, go, yeah, yeah, yeah. go, go, go for it. it. <laughs> so you're cringe too, then? I'm uh, so cringe as well. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'm cringe as well. Off to a Blazing start.
0: All right. Uh, What's the next thing I haven't prepared for? Courage it? or cringe. Ocasio-Cortez to Clarence Thomas. Resign or face impeachment? Wow. So you haven't, you haven't heard like anything about this
1: one? No, no. I've heard about oh, the, okay. the text. Say, I'm <laughs> just saying, yeah, yeah. you know, normally I actually look at the – I write got notes. It, got it, got it, got it. Okay. I know what I'm going to say.
0: Got <laughs> it. All right. Good. Uh, so there, as you know, there's been a growing controversy for Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas to either recuse himself from cases that involve issues that his wife is involved in or, as in the case of Ocasio-Cortez, calling for him to actually resign altogether, right? So, as I think many have heard, this all comes from the revelation that after the 2020 election, Thomas's wife, Virginia, or they call it Ginny, I think. Ginny? I Ginny, yeah. Yeah, Thomas, uh, exchanged dozens of text messages with then-White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows.
1: By the way, I've heard about a dozen stories of people texting Mark Meadows. Like, this guy just—I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can imagine— well, like,
0: you, you know what it is? That's actually a really good— that, what do you, what do you, I have a theory now. I'd love to hear your, your take. I don't before. know if I have a
1: theory. I just think it's like I, – I, I just imagine like the number of sort of external influences to this guy's role. I mean, look, everybody has external ref, influences, but just people having his cell phone where they can just ping him and go like, hey, do this and fix this. And some of it was uh, Trump's family. Um, for sure. And then other associates and cabinet family members and now like the wife of a Supreme Court. Like I'm just saying, who doesn't have this guy's cell phone number? Like, is that, that's, isn't yeah.
0: that weird? It is until you take a step back and then recall uh, who he works for,
1: mm. which,
0: is, which is President Trump. And I think President Trump, it's kind of like when you establish corporate culture. Right, kind of starts at the very, very top, yeah. and he has that where he is makes himself very accessible to his inner network. Right, sure. So he's a guy that is all about loyalties. Right, like, and even to his detractors,
1: In fairness, I mean, he did a lot more press than Biden has done. Yeah, a he's, lot more, pre- yeah. he's
0: he more press than, for sure, for sure, by by far. But he he loves that 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 like because there's been reports so of people that are from like Fox News reaching out to him directly. That's, like, what direct That's what to I mean. Direct access to mean, like literally
1: from, texting. So
0: yeah. I think this is all part of the same kind of culture Culture that he built, right? Um, but it was interesting about the obviously those text messages, what, what was in them, right? So, in them, at least she seemed to strategize over how to overturn the election results and maintain President Trump in the office. And as she saw the outcome of the election with President Biden winning as an, and I quote, obvious fraud and the greatest heist of our history, right? So, what does this have to do with, with uh, Justice Thomas? Well, if you now take a look back or take a fresh look at how Justice Thomas ruled, <clears throat> specifically back in January when he was the only justice who dissented in an 8-to-1 ruling that basically cleared the way for the House investigators probing the January six um, insurrection, um, then it kind of puts that into a brand new light. So now you have a justice who was the only one that dissented on the vote of, of allowing this uh the white house investigators to be able to basically go after some of those trump era records right to be able to find out what happened and you have his wife who's very actively advocating uh with white house chief of staff then of then president trump uh of how to keep him in office then is it it doesn't look great at best, so hor- at best it doesn't look great it at looks best. horrible right now what's interesting here in looking at this that unlike judges of lower federal courts Supreme Court justices are not bound by a code of conduct, right? So they're basically they themselves decide whether or We're not they recuse. should recuse themselves, that's right. right? So that's part of the problem people are calling out here. Now, to all of this, as as kind of the title, you know, mentioned is Representative uh, AOC or Alexander Ocasio Cortez. You know, she came in, you know, swinging pretty hard. She was like, Clarence Thomas should resign. Is how she started her tweet. If not, his failure to disclose income from right wing organization. Uh, recuse himself from matters involving his wife and his vote to block the January 6th commission mm-hmm. from key information must be investigated and and court served as grounds for impeachment. Before
1: right? we go any deeper, though, is it a bit of a red herring uh, saying he should recuse himself on matters involving his wife or this other subject? Has he said he isn't recusing himself? Is there a matter that involves his wife before the court?
0: There are uh, – well, A, he didn't recuse himself. This well, part yeah, of already, gen- right? Yeah, janu- so so right. from January 6th, he didn't recuse himself. Um, I don't know or have not heard of him recusing of other items. And the problem is because his wife is very active. There's a, actually, I, I, I added on here a piece that I found in New Yorker, but the New Yorker has this thing where they, their articles are like 20,000 words. Yeah, they're novels. It, it was just too much, but they kind of go into this whole history about how politically active uh, Jeannie Thomas actually is. And it even quotes folks from other conservative organizations saying the only reason we have her on is because she's, you know, she's the wife of of Clarence Thomas. Now, that sounds harsh, but does that sound practical? Yeah. Like, if I have a cause <laughs> that where I think the Supreme Court may come into factor, would I want Jeannie Thomas to be on my campus? Probably. It, it was interesting. It seems like, for, at least for all the other uh, judges— it, I haven't heard of another example of a, of a spouse being that active yeah. and that vocal. So maybe we just don't see it, even though people may have the same kind of feeling like, hey, I want to stay close to, to those people. It
1: leads you to tricky territory, though. Very tricky territory. In that sense, first of all, like how do you define involvement? So, you know, I if that's my job or my interest or whatever, and yeah. I've had 7,000 conversations – does that mean my husband, who is not me, has right. to recuse himself from cases well, the, that may involve those things? Yeah, and I think
0: I think that as a definition of what involvement is that allows – I think that's actually a, a good way to think about this, right? And it could be is, do I have – in this case, am I actively trying to influence people at the highest level of a, of a government to make political changes? I think if that's the case, then, then recuse yourself from that, at least on that issue. Number two is if I'm actually either raising capital – or directly influencing well, that's issues a, yeah, that are being and, like currently like debated. Sure. Then those are the ones like that are, that are especially of things that are of public record. And the I traditional
1: think, definition of your recusal is where you have a vested interest in the outcome.
0: Right. Well, in this case, and that's the challenge, right? That the, his wife has a very vested interest in a number of the outcomes, a number
1: of outcomes potentially.
0: Right. Right. Um, and that and, and part of the problem in all of this is that this all comes at a very interesting time, right? So one as approval ratings for Supreme Court are all-time low. So they're down to 40% from 61% in 2001. Of right? confidence
1: in the, in the body of the Supreme confidence Court? Confidence in the body of the yeah. Supreme
0: Court, right? So was, I think it was Pew, maybe Pew Research, I forgot, which is the one that, oh, uh, uh, no, Gallup. It was Gallup that actually said this, right? Um, and this might have been last year, not not this year. But still, like over the last it's 20 years, yeah. is is uh, down from 61% to 40%. Um, and also, as you may recall, President Biden also established a bipartisan commission to consider reforms of the court. Right? So that's something that is that is interesting. There was a whole conversation whether the court should be
1: expanded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Court so packing a and whole all that stuff. Effort yeah. that is
0: going on. So this doesn't help at all. Like this doesn't make this doesn't make people feel better about yeah. it. Um and this is why members of Congress have introduced legislation that would require justices to adhere to the same type of ethics standards as other judges, which to me sounds like just if you just start with that, that feels already like a much better place, especially in a case like this where you do have this this close alignment. Because it's just tough to think that if your spouse is this actively involved in an issue. How that doesn't in, in some level of form. Well, of course, you're, you're married just, to somebody,
1: of course, but that's it's I hard would, to argue that. But I want to know? understand the, the domestic partners, wives, uh, or husbands of everybody on the court. Then at that point, I, I don't know For what sure. things are being yeah, yeah, involved. Yeah, in. yeah, and
0: that's what it was interesting. I didn't get a chance to read the whole piece on the New Yorker because it was super long, but it will be interesting to see if there's anyone else that in that kind of realm. She, she, I think she just happened to
1: be very, very vocal. Yeah. And she also happened to be publicized about her involvement in a very very unceremonious and high optic way around a super controversial issue and a perspective that, you know, now with the benefit of hindsight looks, you know, pretty crazy. Right. At this point. Yeah. So, Courage or Cringe, time
0: for ethics overhaul. So, justices recuse or resign on matters that personally affect them. Or justice is above moral issues of spouse influence.
1: Right, but the Courage or Cringe here is on Ocasio-Cortez calling for his resignation yeah, yeah. or impeachment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so um, on that subject, I don't think that Clarence Thomas should resign or be impeached for his wife being involved with stuff, especially if the argument is um, you should recuse yourself from these things. Uh, again, the the right. January 6th thing, that it's in the past, but... He hasn't said he isn't going to recuse himself from future January 6th stuff or from things that involve his wife. I think any judge – and I don't know this to be true, but I would find it extraordinarily hard to believe that any justice sitting on that court where they had a matter before the court that directly impacted their family member wouldn't recuse themselves. I mean, again, I don't know enough about the history of these things, but I find it very hard to believe because judges in lower courts – do that kind of stuff all the time. Yeah. So even though they're not bound, they also have a responsibility to be the kind of model for what it means to be a judge. So in the absence of evidence that he hasn't done that, I am gonna. But
0: I would, but I would still argue then. But he already there's at least one case that we know that he hasn't done that, right? Which is this one, mm-hmm. right? Because he should not have not weighed in on the issue whether or not the investigators should be able to look at Trump era records, because Trump era records would have included a conversation of his wife with Mark Meadows, like that is direct like that is directing his path yeah right and be that he was the only one that went against it then you're like
1: which is even so so weirder like that's, in a that's, sense that's, because it's so, it's a ceremonial dissent if he's the only one because i mean you need five other people to join four other people to join you yeah,
0: yeah and like, I, I, don't, I don't know how they do it where they like <laughs> i just don't know it's like a practical thing like hey was everyone else voting and let me let me throw my vote depending on what they say yeah they or all, do they all do it submit
1: it and then wait to see what they all responded to it I think that is how they do it. They all write opinions. They all write their, their, their opinion well, on it. Well, my point is it's... it would
0: only be ceremonial if you knew what everyone else was voting. Right. Otherwise, it's your actual vote.
1: Right. Yeah, that's true. And it probably is that way is what I'm I saying. I would think so, right? Yeah, so it makes it potentially worse, although we, we, neither one of us know, and we probably should. Yeah, but but,
0: but, say. The, but, but I think going back to if there's an example, <clears throat> I think that is an example where it is something that directly affects his family if these records are mm-hmm. actually investigated. Because I would assume, unless he didn't even know at all, that his wife is doing this. In return. But I have a hard time believing that. Like, that's hard to believe. Yeah, but crazier
1: things have happened. Look, yeah. There's people who are married who sleep in th- different th- bedrooms. Things have happened. You're right. Things have happened. But it's just... Yeah. It's tough I, I, to believe The, that the part that I struggle with in terms of making this a courage, because I have no problems with holding the Supreme Court to ethical standards. I would hope that they would hold themselves to them. Right. But, is the issue of we're talking about another person, not this person. Like that to me is hard. In other words, yeah. as close as an association as the wife is to the husband, it's still not him. It's still your wife did this. Right, right, right. Ergo, you should now leave. Like it's.
0: Yeah. I, I look, I I'm already with you in terms of, I don't think he should resign or be impeached because of this. I, I don't. Having said that, do I think he should have recused himself from that case? Absolutely. Cause it's not, all, it's not even about it because people may see it like, oh, just because she agrees with the topic doesn't mean she has to recuse. No, it's not about him, her agreeing with this issue or even speaking out loud on Facebook because it was like all these posts that she put on Facebook about MAGA people. And all. Who, frankly, that's who cares, is that she was actively involved in trying to sway the, the decision. Yeah, And the inquiry that he was voting on would have discovered that. So that is directly in line to something that he personally is, effect, I've, is I've, affected by. And that
1: is a very important difference. I've mentioned this in other subjects that have come up, and from a theological standpoint, it's the difference between material and remote cooperation with something. There's a difference. If I shop at a store who some, at some point in the background gives money to a cause I don't agree with, that's different than me giving money to the cause I don't agree with. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so, for sure. so here it is true. It's not just an opinion you had. In which case there should be, in my opinion, nothing that falls onto the Supreme Court justice in that regard. But it's a material step that you were actually taking. Right. An action you were trying to direct that was material to something that was either, I don't know the timing, before the court, about to be before the court, or like you're literally dealing with in real time. And that's close enough. Where you know, I think that I would probably agree with you on on that recusal. All
0: right, well, can I just celebrate or yeah, I feel of like course. I just made you change your mind.
1: No, no, no. I, I'm still cringe I, on the on well, Oh yeah, but, hey, that's fine. You can be yeah. cringe, it, but no. but, I, but I feel like I, I, I think you were going to do with the other direction. I, and, think, I
0: think I just made an argument. Histories every now and then. Do, do we have a, like an applause like button that we could be like, We just
1: added one. Like um, a cheer. Every now and then you actually have a solid point. No, look, I mean, that's just the honest way yeah. that I think about yeah, it. I yeah. think that that's correct. I think I have put myself in the situation and if it was like I'm, I'm married, my mm-hmm. wife has a lot of opinions about different things. She puts a lot of stuff on Facebook. But if I had something before me and she was messaging a party in this, do you see All what I'm right. saying? Like,
0: it and, either- and where the outcome of your vote will make her look bad.
1: Potentially. He, yeah. Which is always a danger with my wife. No, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, just no, but, kidding, but, sweetie. But, but, but that's you. what I'm saying.
0: Like that that's what makes this different.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. So uh so uh, I don't know if that cha- that doesn't change my overall, but it's definitely yeah. an additional consideration. I'm with
0: you as well on the overall. I, I don't think he should recuse himself, but it's it definitely speaks to the need of an overhaul on ethics for Supreme Court judges, that we can't treat them like they're somehow not mortal. And I think that was, uh, I said it poorly when the the, the court courage or cringe, but these are still people and people still need to have rules that just protect them from themselves. And I think that's what we don't. Have. We don't have a rule that helps justices protect them from themselves yeah. in this case. And I think we need that. And I think that's what this speaks to. And he should have recused himself from it. But and- now that you pointed out, like then this, let's have that
1: to make it to make it more clear so
0: that in case he needs that little reaffirming for people as a reminder yeah
1: that that would be the case and your model that would that that uh, ethics would be enforced by the senate that's who they, that's who they're accountable to
0: I guess, yeah. I hadn't thought about who would be the body that would. Yeah, I guess it would have to be the Senate because there's the one that nominate them. That uh, that are uh, not nominating, but that's the, their
1: check and balance.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it will have to be. The Senate. It shouldn't be. It should be the President for sure. It should be the Senate. I think the mm-hmm. Senate would be the right, the right, the right party to do that. The on right board of them. Uh, body to do that. Yeah.
1: Party. So far, we, you you've come up with two uh, excellent solutions to All complex right. problems.
0: See, sh- you should a not prepare and then b me take two weeks off every time so I can like <laughs> get ready for for. <laughs> <laughs> and I win more arguments that way. All right. La- last courage or cringe. Uh, some Apple employees are losing their mind over its return to office I plan. I find this
1: so hard to believe among the Apple employees it I
0: thought it was actually a really interesting topic because I've, I've found myself talking about this a lot more with people. Uh, right. Because a lot of people are not dealing with that. It's like, what are their return to office plans? Right. So so look, it came out uh, very recently that Apple is set to begin its post-pandemic return to office to office plan. Uh, for employees in a matter of days, I think it actually started. May have started this week already. Uh, it's a phased approach, basically starting with one day a week, and then eventually leading to three days a week with an extra flexible day. Right, that's kind of how they're thinking about it. However, as expected, surprise, surprise, many employees think it's either a a bad idea, or are you know complain and are either complaining sometimes anonymous, sometimes not, or already throwing these quit. Right now, apparently, Apple CEO is a big believer, Steve Jobs, Uh like Steve Jobs basically a school of thought about creativity that for it to really work, people need to actually be co-located, right? Which <laughs>
1: makes a lot of sense to me.
0: To me, it's hard to argue that one, right? It's hard to be creative when you're not with in other In fact, people. through
1: all this whole pandemic stuff, w- in the work that we did, the one thing that clearly made a difference was the ability to be together, draw oh, on a sure. whiteboard, like things like that. Makes a
0: huge difference. I completely agree with that, Right. So also this return to office plan does include an option to work remotely for up to four weeks a year, right? So that's kind of nice of them to do that. Um, and then of is that Apple is going, I mean, part of the challenge here is that Apple is going against the grain, right? When you look at some of the other big Silicon Valley companies like Meta, like Google, they're all are staying and in some cases letting some employees work from home forever, They've got the other direction. So it's interesting that Apple's taking this path. The the part uh,
1: that I still don't understand, Asus, is like Apple spent like how many billions of dollars on that new complex up in Palo Alto? And it's basically been empty for a couple of – how can they afford to like have all this like wasted – all these companies? I just don't understand how that works. uh, See, I, I would think in the case,
0: I don't know, because I think part of the argument people will make be that Apple just, just wants to basically use this, this Get facility. more u- utilization. Utilization facility that they spend so much money on, other the sunk cost. But I, I don't I think when you're in a company like Apple that's making as much money as Apple, I don't think it's that. yeah I, no, no I think it could be a write-off. That's a bad debt expense. You could write that off, appreciate that asset, do something else with it if you really wanted to. I really do think in this case, because this is a company that has always been, felt like, rooted in creativity that part of a core tenet of how that company ca- can operate and stay with the, the kind of edge that it's had historically is people being creative. And I think there's an argument to be made that I think they believe in, and definitely you know, Steve Jobs believed in, is that people are just more creative when they're together.
1: There's an argument to be made and an argument to be won that people are more creative when they're together. And I think that, in a way, all of this stuff is kind of naive to imagine that it's three days now with flexible blah, Fast forward three years, in the absence of another pandemic, I think everybody's exactly back where they were before the pandemic. The number of hours, the grind, the lunacy, and this homework, flex, blah, all this stuff is so dead and gone. You think it's completely gone, really? I think at some point, it's. I think it's a question of time. Which way is gravity going? Gravity is going in that direction. It's one day now, three days later, and then I, I, I think you're going to have... I, I, I'm a, I'm a little bit on your camp
0: where I do think we're, we're going to look much closer to what it was than what it is. I agree with that. But I think you're going to have different class of employees. You're going to have employees that are going to be your employees that are like you're exactly how you're describing that are in office that are going to be, you know, showing up in a very consistent manner. I also think there's going to be some that are going to be in this never ending kind of hybrid modality. And I think we have some that are going to be ever any remote. Now, it, I think it brings an interesting question about even when you think about structuring a company is like, what are the roles that you can do cheaper from elsewhere? Why do I have to pay California rates if I'm at, if I'm based in Silicon Valley or I could get someone that lives in Montana to do this work?
1: And those are all drivers that were and around even before the pandemic. I think, that's that's the, pandemic.
0: I think the, 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 the thing that I think employees are not realizing is that if I'm the business owner and I'm seeing like, wait, I have this role that I realize I can actually do pretty well remotely. Why do I have to pay? In some cases, a Silicon Valley rate for a person that may or may not even live anymore in California. Because that's the thing. A lot of people ended up moving to other states. Like, Why don't they do that? Why not just hire for these kind of roles of course. elsewhere at a of rate at those local market rates? And there are some roles that will continue to be that way. They so it's going to force
1: that- a better segmentation of the kind of employees that a company has and what's required from a in-office standpoint to that type of employee like that's going to be yeah, part of the it, it, calculation.
0: Right. I think in the in the same right is is that you're going to have to yeah, think about se- segmenting like the skill set based on where it makes more sense to have which of those need to be like in office versus those that could be remote. I think it also kind of democratizes, like who actually can actually apply for these opportunities, and and I think the benefit is not going to be to the employee. It feels that way right now because many companies, rather than having to restaff, right, they basically just like, all right, well, we're remote, so wherever you go, just you know, I just make the, sure
1: you do work. I think I think it necess- without
0: adjusting cost, et cetera. But yeah, why wouldn't you when you're replacing the roles and you're like, wait a minute, I have these people that are not even here anymore. Why can't I go Midwest? Why can't I go to these places, Detroit? Those places that, you know what? You have a lot of kids coming out of college. You know, maybe there's opportunities. there. cost of living is is just much lower. I just
1: wonder, though, if that by by necessity doesn't also uh, diminish the value of certain kind of roles in terms of a long corporate lifespan. In other words, if I want to be the CEO of Apple… If I'm in one of these roles that we've just segmented that says I don't need to be in the office very much, I find it very unlikely that people from those roles, because they don't have the benefit of rubbing elbows with all the power centers inside the organization, will be the ones that advance most often. Yeah,
0: I completely agree with you. That's the the other thing that has happened. I mean, you're just – it's human nature. You can't – it's really hard to build relationships that are longer-term relationships when you don't see people. In person, when you get to interact with them, those those, you know, in between conversations, if everything is a Zoom call, and literally you have Zoom fatigue, of when you see someone like tired of seeing their face, it's just it's just hard to do.
1: And there are people who will trade off for that. They'll be like, I don't want to be the CEO. I don't care. I want to do my job from more I think forever, <clears throat> and I'm fine doing that. I think that's exactly right. I think some folks that
0: that you know, you know, you have have the just best conversation about. A person that helps us you know, schedule all the meetings, right? We're like, oh, we feel bad. I want to give you more to do. And the guy's like, no. All I want to do is you know, play poker and schedule meetings. And you got to totally respect that kind of answer. You're like, you know what? Great. That's, that's
1: fine. And there's that's a real, awesome. pe- a real that's, zen piece about that. Nothing
0: wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But I, but I think you're trying to have your cake and eat it, too. That you're somehow going to be upwardly mobile in your career. Uh, do the most important jobs and still never show up to an office, especially if some of your office is actually coming back to the office. Yeah. Like, good luck to you on that one. I think it's tough. Yeah, this and, is. And I think the end of the day, employees will lose more, definitely more compensation. Than more. Now, look, to the degree that you have, I think the what good looks like in this case is if you have this ongoing kind of hybrid model where you do have these flex days where it's no longer Five days a week where all of a sudden you're like in a, you know, you have a couple of days here and there where you can like work from home, et cetera. And, and if that's what like more steady state looks like for everybody, I think, I think we're all better off for that. Even avoiding the hour
1: commute each way one day a week. Could and, count and, and me saying what I said earlier about where this thing is going does not mean that's what my hope is. I right. would hope exactly the opposite. I think that the great thing about what COVID has done is it's, it's, it's allowed us to lead a more integrated life where there's some things that happen in our homes that are work-related, some things that happen at work that are life-related. You got your kids in the background, your dog comes in and starts barking. That's life. Having compartmentalized existence is really bad for people. It, yeah. it creates anxiety, stress, depression, all kinds of stuff. So, I think it's much better. I just don't believe, since the money is what we want, and we know that productivity increases, creativity, you know, for Apple, creativity is a proxy for more money. That's what it is. Of course. Yeah. So, in a world where that's the driver, then ultimately the gravitational pull is simply too strong. And I just think ultimately the bulk goes back to the way it was, if not all of it, goes back to the way it was in certain industries because that's where the natural center of gravity is for 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 businesses that have that as their North Star. And that's yeah. the part where I get very cynical. I'm cringe on this story, I think, because this is where we look at the Apple employee population and all I see is like white-soled sneakers, uh, tight pants and dogs and sweaters and, you know, lattes. And it's just, it's a little bit of like, crying in the milk, sort of, you know what I mean? Yeah. It seems like to me, you're working, you, even if you're living in Montana, you're earning a Cupertino salary, wow, and you're complaining right. about, so it's just, it seems a little whiny to me, which is why, you know, I'm a cringe on their complaining about it, Right. Um, but but that's my position, my position is that there's a gravitational pull to go kind of back as close to as, it's just a natural sort of end state of where we're, where we're headed. So um, while I'm cringe at their whining, I understand in a way that they're complaining is because they've got something, I think that right now is better for the world, if not for business. And they're sorry to see that go.
0: Yeah, I think they're definitely sorry to see that go. And I think there's a lot of that they're really reacting to. I, I would, But I would say that the part that, some of these folks Are not recognizing Is that I would almost put it Like you know The stages of grief Like the stages Of working from home <laughs> Right There's like Oh you know Like That's very true Happiness initially Like oh I have to Avoid commutes And all that right Then there's like Oh then you get to see The whole me Right You get to see My dog walk in It's like a great empathy you're Like oh this is you
1: Yeah you're just you Like at a home. I see your
0: kid it's Like I see the full person then there gets a stage of like the 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 reduction of like there's no boundaries anymore your work life and personal life are are all one all of a sudden and i think that's where we start getting into the unhealthy space um for for individuals even as they're working from home and then you can then at some point you get into the point where now you're disconnected from the rest of the corporate culture
1: well that's the stage that's going to be the one that's the real driver that's the, when i that's see when that i'm that right the guy now, on zoom and everybody else is in the conference room and sure. i'm like okay now i'm not i saw
0: that i felt that today
1: we were having
0: a caller today, and the whole team was together except for me. And it was like, oh, well, outlier. Now I'm feeling left out.
1: And imagine doing that
0: in a bigger meeting where you're sure. like, you're not, people, you not the boss, where well, you are a contributor. Like, well, good luck with that.
1: Yeah, that's the guy who's always on the computer. Right. We won't think of him for that promotion or whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly.
1: Oof. Yeah, interesting. So, where are you net out?
0: Uh, I'm also cringe on it because I think, uh, for all the reasons we kind of talked about, I think. Uh, Apple employees here. Um, I think they're not they're not considering the driver of what the company they actually work. I think creativity is a big driver for this. I think being together is a big driver for how creativity can actually come about. And um, it, it does fall in the whining kind of category. I agree with that as well. You know, and and ultimately, as much as these folks are talking about quitting and complaining and and yeah, you're gonna have like a Google and and Facebook, but even those guys. Are gonna slowly
1: but surely start working their way back. And I don't even think it has to be by policy on their end. I think the natural tendency for people is to think they're missing out on something. Sure. Or somebody has an FOMO, advantage. FOMO is real. FOMO is real. Someone's got an advantage. I talked about it earlier as some kind of weird game theory, but there is a weird game theory here which is like I've got to make a few moves to get that raise, that promotion, that project done or whatever it is and it's going to be seen that to, for me to be at a, it's an advantage to be in the rooms and in the corridors of power. And so I think that it'll naturally evolve that way even if the policy isn't there to say like I'm saying, "Oh, you could stay at home from however long you want. It sure. doesn't matter." Yeah. It's yeah, going yeah. to be like the NFL rule for minority coaches. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's a pretty low bar we can all hit it. Yeah, yeah. So all that's right. that's where I'm
0: at. So so wait a minute. I can't come back and agree on all things. We gotta throw a fourth of us. So I can like violently disagree with I've you. I've got a solution. What's that?
1: Guest host next week.
0: Ooh. <laughs> thank you, uh think
1: you enjoyed it a little too much. No, 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 no. Obviously great to have you back. Um awesome. Tight show this week, but lots of fun topics. Anything else, Jesus? No, thank you. all right, thank my you friends. Back. You're listening to TDRs and we we're very happy that you're here. Check us out next time. We'll see you again next week. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of the Diversity Remix, please remember, first of all, to subscribe and help us to spread the word, tell your friends, family, coworkers, and give us a five-star review. We're available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your listening fix. And lastly, please remember to stop by BlackBrown.us, the creator of this podcast, and take a look at our work and our approach at the intersection of diversity and business. The Diversity Remix is produced by Leo Gomez. The Diversity Remix is a production of Black Brown.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts